Now, if you will, take your Bibles and turn to the book of 1 Peter. Now for today's sermon. So I kind of get two in one. That's kind of a sneaky thing, isn't it? 1 Peter. A young salesman was disappointed about losing a big sale. And as he talked to his sales manager, he lamented. He said, well, I guess it just proves you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. The manager in all of that wisdom looked at him and said, your job is not to make him drink. Your job is to make him thirsty. Jesus says the same thing in Matthew chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. Listen as we hear the words of Jesus. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are a light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. You notice that as we move through this series of easy to say, hard to do, that I, I saved some of the more thorny issues for last because I just had to think about them a while. I wrote them down and back in April and I kept thinking about them and I kept rearranging the schedule. You know, easy to say, hard to do, honor your parents, okay? That was up at the top because that was Mother's Day. Um, and then I come to those last week was, you know, we got to, you know, reconcile with a brother. And I thought, you know, that one's tough for me. So that one kind of went toward the bottom. Sharing the gospel, okay? Sharing the gospel. We've sung about it this morning. We pray about it all the time. It's, it's in everything we do. And, and you're sitting there thinking, oh man, what's he going to say about that? Because I'm already starting to feel that, that heaviness, that sort of a, a guilt kind of thing or, or this fog in your brain that just says, man, I'd love to, to nod and say, yeah, we need to share the gospel. I have no idea how to do that. And that's just honest. I have no doubt, though, that each of us knows how we became a Christian. We know what we were taught. We can remember the day, that watershed moment of our life when we were baptized and who did it with us. How we began to unfold and grow and grow in God's Holy Spirit. I have no doubt that all of us could tell the story of the past that we left behind. The future that we anticipate. And any of us can talk about the struggles we go through daily. And yet, it's not uncommon when we want to share the gospel with others that we, we hesitate. When they say, why are you a Christian or... How do you do that? And you're kind of going, and it's not so much out of fear. That's not it, I don't think. Or ignorance. Like I said, we know. And it's not out of disobedience to the Great Commission. It's just sometimes easy to say and hard to do. And we fall back on the phrase, um, well, you need to talk to our preacher. And that's fine. I get it. But what I'd like to do is I want to encourage you today. I want us to look into 1 Peter. We're just going to camp out in 1 Peter. We're going to go from chapter 1 to chapter 5. Briefly. But we're going to go and we're going to look at some select things that you can do to share the gospel. Peter writes his fellow Christians and he considers them in chapter 1 and verse 1. And your translation is going to be different. You know, it says, 
to the pilgrims or sojourners or aliens or exiles, however your translation puts it, it's in the words of that hymn, here we are but straying pilgrims. The meaning is clear. Peter says, this world is not our home as we sing. We're just passing through and our treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue and the angels beckon me from heaven's open door and I can't be at home in this world anymore. That's who we are. That's who we've chosen to be when we embrace God's grace in Jesus Christ. I grew up across the street from a family by the name of Jones. Do you remember in high school that there was this house and everybody went to that house? It didn't matter what it looked like or who lived there. It just was that house. Everybody seemed to, all your friends seemed to congregate. And it was, I'll meet you over at the, for us, it was the Joneses. Okay, I'll meet you over at the Joneses. And I don't know where Miss Jones was half the time. I mean, I think she was in the back cleaning something or whatever. But most of us just were hanging around. And when you stop to think about it, it was a place where you felt welcome. It was a place where you had something to eat. You had something, you know, to, uh, and your friends were there and, and if you remember that, and you just kind of showed up regularly because you knew you were welcome. And that was their house. It is what church becomes to us. We are just temporary residents seeking others to go home with us. Peter reminds us here in First Peter that others are looking at us, the church, and they're making up their minds about eternity with Jesus Christ. So what do we tell them? How do we share the gospel? Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 6. When we talk about sharing the gospel, the easiest place to start is with a genuine faith. Read with me verses 6 through 9. It says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen Him, you love Him. Though you do not now see Him, you believe in Him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's be honest. The way our faith takes on the business of life, how you do in the crucible, all right? It's drama, it's trials, it's tribulations and testing. Allows us an audience to talk about Jesus. If others can't see our love for Jesus, even in the hard times, if they're not baffled by our trust in Jesus, when we don't know what else to do, when they, when, when they can't shake their heads in disbelief, at a joy in the face of suffering that praises God and brings glory to our Lord, then talking about salvation to somebody is just an academic, not so heartfelt thing. We're just sharing facts. We're salesmen. We're trying to get the horse to the water to make them drink. And that's not what Peter says. He says, first and foremost, if you're going to share the gospel, he said, People look at you and they want to see how genuine is your faith. Secondly, we need to focus on Jesus. 
Look at 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 18, verse through 21. Peter continues writing, he says, knowing that you were ransomed from the feudal ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish or spot. He was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Sadly, we become frustrated. I have more conversations after church from from members who come out and, and they say, you know, this conversation about religion, especially in this community, begins with, now I know y'all don't do this or that, or why is it y'all don't do this or that? And here we go. Feeling compared, feeling judged, feeling dismissed by others. Before we ever really get to answer the question. They don't really want it. You know, sometimes they don't want an answer. They just want to make you feel bad. I started doing this. When people, when people talk to me and they, they go, why don't y'all? Or I know y'all don't or whatever. This is, this is kind of how I, I started. You can write this down if you want to or, you know, listen to the podcast or ask me and I'll give it to you later. I started doing this. When they ask me that, I start with, instead of the answer that they're looking for, the five seconds that they're looking for me to say something doctrinal, I just say this. I believe in Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, and my Savior, who bought my way out of hell by the sacrifice of His perfect life. His blood covers my sins. I've trusted Him with the sins of my past, the promise of my future, and help with every day that I live. I'll be honest with you. My faith and hope are in God. Now, what is it you would like to know? It just sort of sets the tone. After that, people look at you, because I've honestly done that, they look at you and go, well, my question really wasn't that important. I go, oh no, I want to know. I would like to answer. But I'm not going to get into a debate with you or an argument because I'm living my faith. And we need to start there. Genuine faith. Focus on Jesus. Third thing, turn to 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 12. Be the example, not the excuse. Be the example, not the excuse. First Peter 2 and verse 12 says, Keep your conduct among the Gentiles honorable, so that when they speak against you as evildoers, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day of visitation. That whole section from, from where we started to, to this point, that whole section of Peter's letter has to do with keeping your integrity. Chapter 1, verses 13 through 17. He says, You be holy as God is holy. Staying connected to your church family. Chapter 1, verses 22 and verse 23 says, Now you love the brethren. You love each other. It's relying on the Word of God in chapter 1, verses 23 and going through chapter 2 and verse 3. He says that Word of God, everything else comes and goes, but the Word of God remains the same. Being regular in worship. Chapter 2, verses 4 through 11. He said, Why do you think God made you His priests? 
Priests don't go fishing on Sundays. Priests offer sacrifices to God daily. He said, you are the royal priesthood, a holy nation unto God. You have a responsibility to worship. And you have to be responsible in society. Chapter 2, verses 13 through 20. Fear God, honor the king. This kind of life simply follows the example of Jesus. Peter says in 2 and verse 21 where he writes... For to this, all of this in context, for to this you have been called because Christ also suffered for you, leaving you an example so that you might follow in his steps. A friend of mine told me just before church this morning, he said, you know, that puts the responsibility on me to live basically a G-rated life. I thought about that because everybody's watching to see how a Christian does it. If we were sewing a garment, we would take thread and we'd stitch along the fabric, holding it together and tying it off at the end with a knot that holds. We are the threads of life's fabric, holding the world around us together with integrity, love, faith, and responsible behavior. We are the examples to follow, not the excuses to be overlooked. I'm going to say that again because you need to hear that. We are to be the examples to be followed, not the excuses to be overlooked. But we're not perfect. I hear that so much. I know that. God knows that. Everybody around you knows that. You're not perfect. Okay, we've got that done. Everybody said that. Everybody nod. I'm not perfect. Great. I'm tired of hearing people ignore the Christian life and push some kind of soft soap grace on a sorry life that isn't trying to make a difference in this world for the glory of God. Now, I've said my part. You're not perfect, but you're not the point. Jesus is. You're going to put Jesus on in baptism. You're going to live up to his life. It is a privilege So stop excusing your behavior and putting a, I'm sorry, I'm not perfect on it. If you embrace the grace of God, He gave the blood of His one and only Son for your sin. Not so that you can keep on sinning, but so that you can grow up. Sure, you're going to fall down. You're going to fail. You're going to finish last in living. But get up and show the world what a Christian does in those circumstances. You want to share the gospel? Show people how to get up from failure. Show people how to do this thing called life. Follow the example of Jesus who did not whine. He did not blame. He did not refuse to suffer for doing the right thing. Prove that the gospel changes the metal of your soul into a champion. You want to share the gospel? Show them the difference. They respect that. Genuine faith. Focus on Jesus. Be the example. Look at 1 Peter chapter 3. Get the answers needed. 1 Peter chapter 3 starting in verse 15. But in your hearts, honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. 
Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. What you feel when you don't know the answer to someone's question. Or you don't know what to tell someone about their soul. What you feel is a failure. I don't know. And I feel bad because I don't know. It's a feeling of failure. But I want you to stop for a moment and think of it from the other person's point of view. They feel disappointed. Because they really wanted to know. I remember a time when I was in junior high and I took introductory Spanish. I learned this poem. I could say this poem. I was good at the poem. But it's the only Spanish I knew. Imagine, I would tell it to anybody who would listen and they thought I knew Spanish. Imagine my surprise when one Sunday morning they came and got me out of Bible class because we had a family visiting us that didn't speak English. And I told them very plainly in, 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 in Spanish that they could understand how that I was a hardworking carpenter in the seventh grade. You know, and I was going to build a table and I told them the days of the week and then what I did. And they looked at me and they nodded and they said that. And then they started talking to me and I had no clue what they were saying. It was a very embarrassing moment. Why? Because I felt like a failure. I only knew so much, but I didn't know what they needed to hear. But thinking about it from their point of view, they were disappointed because they were looking for answers. And the one person that they thought they could turn to that maybe knew some words that they knew couldn't deliver. And so they walked away disappointed. I walked away, you know. Stop the spiritual self-pity. And help the world know the truth. You can sit there in that pew week after week and keep telling me, but I don't know the answer to that. How long have you been a Christian? How many church services have you sat in? How many days have you read your Bible? How many times do you not know the answer? I would think after a while that I would finally click in and kind of say, you know what? This is the answer. And I'd write it down somewhere if I'm prone to forgetfulness. I'd write it down. Or hold it somewhere close. Or put it in my billfold or whatever. You will honor Jesus when with gentle answers and a respect for their searching, you give them the truth in love with a good conscience. Now past that, I can't, I can't tell you what you're going to get. They may dismiss you. They may reject your efforts. They may argue with you or ignore you. That's not on you. You're simply going to be finding answers and offering God's truth. That includes the death and resurrection of our Savior. Chapter 3, verses 18 and 19 continues. It also tells the place of our baptism in God's plan of salvation. Chapter 3, verses 20 and 21 of 1 Peter. And sure, there are books and there are videos and there's elders and even ask the preacher that can help you. That's great. Those are tools in your bucket. There are also Bible classes, there's worship, there's fellowship groups and other activities as a church designed to collectively encourage each other to teach and help us give a defense for the hope that is in us. 
I guess what I'm saying is the most honest thing you can do with a genuine faith, focusing on Jesus, being an example at that moment when they ask that question, if you don't know the answer, just be honest and say, I don't know, but I'll look it up. Let's go find the answer together. What's wrong with that? It's what I would do if I was in a math class. Trust me, I don't know math that well. I'd go look in the book and find the answer. The next one, 1 Peter chapter 4. Keep the church fires burning. 1 Peter 4 verse 7 says, The end of all things is at hand. Therefore be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another. As good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That paragraph falls between two negative ones. In first Peter chapter four, verses one through seven, the start of that chapter, Peter warns us that what everyone else is doing that is self-destructive and that ruins relationships between others is not who we are. And those who do these things are surprised that we don't share in those things with them. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 through 19, he continues saying that we may suffer. We will suffer for not doing those wrong, evil, wicked things. And in the middle of all that, all that scoffing, all that suffering, where do we turn? Where do we find, where do we go? Peter says you meet with the people of prayer. You meet where your love and sin is atoned for. You meet where acts of kindness are encouraged and practiced. You meet with people who help you discover your gifts of grace to share with others. You meet where God is glorified and Jesus is always king. The spiritual core of your soul, the balance that you want in a nasty world, The refuge that you seek for peace is found in His church. Our faith family. We neglect this to our peril and ultimately our failure. Because as my mama used to always tell me, she she said, it's the banana that gets away from the group that's peeled. It's always stuck with me. We embrace our church family, our our faith family, for their strength and their power, for that center. Finally, 1 Peter chapter 5. Put yourself into God's hands. Put yourself into God's hands. 1 Peter 5 and verse 6 says simply, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time He may exalt you. Humility. It is said of Moses, the great leader of Israel, in the book of Numbers, that he was the most meek man or humble man that ever lived. He knew his past. He walked in the presence of God. He was a leader of people, of a nation, who faced down Pharaoh, who executed, well, who brought brought about by God's power the plagues of Egypt and defeating 
the gods of Egypt. And yet he was humble. It is said that Moses, when he would meet with God, would come away. 1 Corinthians chapter, 2 Corinthians chapter 3. And that his face would glow. His face would glow. Humility. God is God, and I am not. I serve at His pleasure. I serve for His purpose. Humility is that character trait. He says, and Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 1 through 5, that trusts church leaders, that builds unity among brethren. Chapter 5, verses 7 through 9, humility defeats the devil. You always wondered how to do that, didn't you? There you go. Chapter 5 and verse 10, it lifts us up by God's activity with us and toward us. Where it says, He will Himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish. You want to share the gospel? There's all kinds of techniques if you want to. But I find most of those get you into situations where you're selling something. Why don't we just do this? Why don't we just have that genuine faith in the face of all that life has to throw at us? That puts the focus on Jesus first, foremost, and always. So that the example that we're living creates a thirst for the truth that somehow changed my life, your life, our life, into something different that people notice and say, you know, I need to know what that's all about. And so answers are given with confidence and love from God's Word, truthfully, confidently. And that as His church, our faith family, we show a faithfulness because we become a place of encouragement and growing. And all of that, if we could be known as a people of humility, we continually put ourselves in God's hands to share the gospel of His good news to the world, that would be our blessing. Amen? To that, I challenge you this week to go and share the gospel. Tell people about Jesus. Show them what Jesus did for you. Show them how He changed your life. But above all else, never be afraid. We live in God's hands. Now today you might need to answer the invitation of God. You might want to put your trust and your faith in God. And that begins by, by understanding that God loves you. That He came to this world and He gave His life for you on the cross. Because of that, He calls you and says in that love, I want you to accept my gift and put me on in baptism. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Perhaps you've done that and you've been sort of, well, you've just been out of touch. Maybe you need to repent of sin in your life. Maybe we could help you do that by going before God in prayer, asking for forgiveness as His child. Maybe you're here this morning and we can pray with you through something you're facing that is incredibly difficult. It's what faith families do. 
we can help you in some way this morning. Would you come to the front and make your need known? Or, as you're reaching for your book, or sometimes it's in a quiet moment, just between you and somebody else. Maybe we do that after church. Maybe we do that in your home. Maybe we do it over the phone. But don't hesitate to make a response to God. Ask Him for the wisdom and strength to share His gospel through your life this week. But if you can come to the front this morning and make your need known, would you do it together we stand and as we sing?